Hello and welcome to StarK's webinar. As usual, we're here in our offices, separate offices in Baltimore, Maryland. Our host today is Steve Seichel. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. And uh, I'm your host, as usual, Robert C. Goldberg. And uh, we're glad that you could join us again for this month's uh, webinar. We, we, we have said in the past that the webinars are the last Wednesday of the month at noon, but COVID really knocked us off schedule, Steve. Uh, we just, we're not able, it, it depends on so many things now. And this is not the last Wednesday of the month, but nonetheless, if you want to know the schedule, uh, if you signed up for this webinar, we will, uh, we will send you the schedule unless you opt out of it. And uh, that way you'll know what the topic is and when it's, when it's going to be and how you can sign up for the next one. Uh, if you'd like to listen by phone, if your computer sound is not working, the number is 267-279-9000 and enter conference 379-415-323. Uh, can anybody hear us? Let's make sure if even a few people can hear us. We know that we are, uh, we are getting out there. If you could chat. Okay. On the bottom right of your screen, there's a chat box. Okay, great. Okay. Um, I see Mrs. Hochstedt is listening to us in Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land, the land we're all trying to go. <laughs> nobody can get in, or not nobody, but it's very difficult. And Alba from Spain. <laughs> okay, Josh, I will come if you send me a, uh, a permission to come and ensure. Um, so you can, you can, <laughs> Aliyah is open, he says, <laughs> okay. So uh, the, the chat box is, is for your comments and questions and we hope to get to everything today. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, as, as we sent out in the email, as you know that Steve is a, a great world traveler and even what's amazing to me, even this past year, um, he told me he traveled more than 50,000 miles, which is incredible. You didn't stop, you didn't stop going, right, Steve? Right. That's uh, really something. And now um, you're here to tell you, you live to tell the tale. <laughs> um, so we decided to make like a hybrid discussion today. We hope that you'll be interested uh, to discuss some practical issues that are coming up. What's new? Uh, things are changing and you want to know before you head out. Um, and together with, of course, uh, some halachic issues, uh, many halachic issues that we will weave in to the discussion. Uh, Mrs. Pensack, one of our, one of our workers, co-workers here, sent me an article that from Kosher Today. And it says, surge in post-COVID international kosher travel expected. The floodgates of kosher travel appear to be opening just in time for the summer. And the Yom Tovim, they quote. People are flying again. People are going to Europe. Uh, people are going across the United States. Uh, it's going to be very busy. There's a pent-up, uh, you know, desire to get out, and um, and that's what that's why that what prompted us really to. We saw that and prompted us to give this uh, this webinar. Um, okay, Steve. So how do how do we want to start? Okay. So first, I want to um, express my akarasa tov to Rabbi David Heber who has been my travel POSIC for the last 20 years. We've had some very, very interesting shilas during this time period, which I will not go into today, some very complex. And Rav David is always uh, 
come up with a, a solution for for me in my in my world of travel. The other thing is I want to give a big yashikayach to the Starke Mashkichim, to the Starke Kashrus administrators, and also not only Starke ones, anybody that's listening from, I won't mention their names, but other agencies, the Mashkichim and the, and the Kashrus administrators, we're the real frontline workers here. We're the ones during the pandemic who really made sure that everybody still had kosher food. So, Steve, Josh, Josh wants a webinar with you and Rabbi Heber so they can hear the Shilas. Okay. <laughs> Tell Josh to email me and I'll, I'll, I'll go over. If we have time, I'll, I'll go over some of them. Chastei okay. Hashem, the world's opening up again. And now people haven't visited family or want to take a vacation. 15, 18 months are ready to go. So, okay, everybody's ready to go. Not so simple. So I'm going to give some advice. I myself have been traveling since, like I'm a Shugana, since June of last year. I've been pretty much on a flight almost every week for the last year. So what I wanted to cover was a lot of the questions that people asked me. And I'm going to break this down into three major categories. One is flying, which is really a big one, hotels and rental cars. So the question I get asked more than anything is, do I have to wear a mask? So I'm going to tell you with a capital yes, a capital Y, yes, you have to wear a mask. You'll be wearing a mask, if you haven't flown yet, you'll be wearing a mask from the time either you get on a shuttle bus or in an Uber or Lyft, all the time at the airport, all the time on the plane, and also when you get to the next airport. If you get in, into a rental car, which I'm going to discuss rental cars, if you get into a rental car, then you're, then you're finally free. But... You know, we, we, Rabbi Goldberg and I discussed, you know, I'm not going to say they're heters, but they're some things that are, some airlines are not as strict as other airlines. I find that the budget airlines are much more strict about mask wearing. And again, this is not to give anybody a heter to go ahead and say, well, Starcase said, you know, we don't have to wear a mask. But I did find that where there is a little bit of leniency as far as adherence is night flights. The class of service you're in, they don't seem to musser the first class people as much as they do everybody else. Because again, in night flights, the, uh, they shut the most of the lights off. And also if you have a window seat. But again, I'm not recommending this, but if, if any of you out there just hate wearing a mask, it's, it's, you're not ready to fly yet, okay? Next thing I wanna talk about airfare is the cost of airfare. Um, those of us that are old enough to remember something called sticker shock, which usually first came out on cars, the airlines are gouging people right now. I hope none of the airlines, I hope United doesn't cut me off for saying this, but the airfares now are higher than they were pre-pandemic. And, and they are for two reasons. One, the airlines are trying to make it up, the money they lost. And secondly, there are less flights to destinations than there used to be. I was on a flight just last week from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco. It was an international type plane. There were 55 rows on it. It was like a plane that you would take to Eretisrael. There was not an empty seat on the plane. Mm. And not only that, the person sitting next to me on the way out paid double what I paid. And the person on the way back paid triple. So be prepared. Um, Right. Um, I'm going in a few weeks to one, LA. Steve, I know the one place where fares are very low or to Eritrea. We mentioned right. before. Right. You can that, get a round trip for like seven hundred dollars, but you can't. It's hard to get in, so that doesn't okay. help too much. 
Okay. Yes. That, but most places that you want to go, especially if you want to travel to the West Coast, is very, very expensive right now. In fact, I'm going the end of July to LA. I booked it for at 417. A week later was 491. And I just checked today, it's 567 for the same flight. So very important to know that if you're going to plan to go somewhere, before you promise the kids you're going to take them to X, Y, or Z, be sure that you know where you know what what the fares are going to be. Now, one of the halachic issues that I did want to discuss, and I'll of course defer to Rabbi Goldberg, is is davening on a plane. Now, you know there are times when a person just can't get to shul and can't daven at home and can't daven in the airport, but davening shachris on a plane gets very very complicated. And, and what I have found the most problematic part is, is the fact that everybody sitting around you is not so comfortable. You're wearing black boxes and on your head and so on and so forth. So, um, Rabbi, they, might think, they, don't, they might think that they detonate. Exactly. So <laughs> I started traveling for Star K right after, not long after 9-11. And Rabbi Heber, this is one of my first uh, issues that him and I discussed, was the fact that what 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 do I do? And he, he said to me at that time, and it's been my way, my derech since then, is try to do everything possible not to daven, put on to fill in on a plane. Just it just you know there's um, all these different issues. So um, what I do in the event sometimes in the winter it's impossible not to. So what I if I do have to daven with the fill in on a plane especially in the morning, I wait, you know, obviously till the lights go out. But before that, I tell the flight attendant what I'm going to do and what I'm going to wear. And I tell, hopefully, the man sitting next to me the same thing. I let him know before he goes to sleep that I don't want him waking up and all of a sudden seeing me with boxes on my head and now calling the flight attendant. And I understand, and Rabbi Heber had told me this, that right after 9-11, a plane actually was brought down. There were a bunch of guys, Svartim, davening with the filling on the back of the plane and people like freaked out. So, you know, it doesn't pay not to at least, you know, work on trying to, you know, not have to worry about causing a scene. It's interesting. I, I, wait, 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 is that different now that post, post the lockdown? I don't, you know what? It's though, worse, I right? don't, I, I'm not sure if it's that much different because people oh. are still scared. I mean, you still go through TSA. It's, it's not what it was. No, no. I mean, I mean, how did COVID yeah. affect that davening on the plane? You know, I don't, I don't know if it's much as a it's COVID. Not different. It's not I don't different. think as far as COVID. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying in general when people start right. traveling. The other thing I was going to suggest, you know, there's some tremendous. There's a really good. Um, there's two very good um, apps on or computer um, websites to go to. One is mysmanim.com which can give you up-to-date times for, for Shkia and Neitzel and everything else that you need. And also uh, Rabbi Heber, his big one is high tables, which actually can tell you on a plane, if your plane leaves late or whatever, exactly what time these things are. So one of the things I, that I, 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 I would say, Steve, that I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with those websites, right? And, and I use them. They're very good. Um, but there are some people that, they book their flight, their you know international flight, and without thinking when they're gonna dive in. And then, you know, I've gotten these kind of questions like, "Well, what? It, there's no real time for me to dive in because my flight's here, my flight. I'm leaving too early." 
Well, that's something that for a from person, especially a man, he should take into account when he books his flight. When am I going to daven? It's not just the price. It's not just the where you're going. It's also the davening. It has to play right in there with your plans. Exactly. I'm sure you, I'm sure you do that yourself. Yeah, I, I right. 100, I one, and that's why I try whenever possible to either book a flight where if I if it's too early to be able to daven with a minion, then I can daven either at home. And the other thing that I recommend to people, especially if they travel a few times, and that is to get a priority pass. Because with priority pass, you can daven in an airline lounge, which is, I, can t I can't tell you, I've probably seen people davening in airline lounges all over the world. It's, it's, um, it's a very much more convenient. Although I, I must say in the airport, you can almost find a quiet area where you can, where you can go and daven. Okay. Um, I want to talk about international flying, especially since Rabbi Goldberg just mentioned that article. So even if you're vaccinated, even if you are um, had COVID, even if you did both, you're still going to have to get PCR tested 72 hours before the flight. And then you're going to need to be tested again after the flight. It's also very important especially if you're flying outside of the country, to know the halachas, the minhagim of the Medina, of wherever you're going, because there are still countries, even if you are vaccinated, that you have to quarantine. So I can imagine... Can have you imagine, been outside of the United States since... Yes. I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to... Um, Where did you actually, go? That's the next thing I'm going to talk about. Yeah, okay. I, I made one trip outside the United States. But imagine this. Just one second, Steve. So Nancy is saying that, she, that we, she's asking us to unmute. But uh, actually, if everybody else can hear us, then we are unmuted. So it must, I think it's on your side, Nancy. Uh, okay. So imagine this. imagine this scenario. You book a 10-day trip to go, you could fill in the blank which country, and there's a 14-day quarantine. You're not going to have much fun, even if you're vaccinated, even though you did PCR test. So it's very important. Um, so I actually had only, out of my 50,000 so miles. One second, Steve. So, so uh, Steve uh, is chatting with us. Some airports have chapel areas. And okay. um, so... I, I I covered that in one of my um, some somewhere we covered that somewhere on, on in our Starcake Currents. It's not it's not ideal to daven there because a lot of times they are they are denominational, and uh, so it's not ideal. Even if it's non-denominational, uh, I've discussed with Rabbi Heinemann, and he feels it's better not to. Uh, there's always something in there that would be uncomfortable. For 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 a, a firm person, so it's better to find the the the, the you know some empty uh, gate um, than to daven in the chapel. That's the way we that's the way we uh, came out with Rabbi Heinemann. I okay, will actually I will actually say Gomaisa because this this happened in my international trip. Yeah, and back in February I traveled to Dubai via Frankfurt, and when I got to Frankfurt Airport, I was looking for somewhere to daven. And I I saw a non-denominal chapel, and as soon as I went in there, the the boys with the rugs came in, so I quickly went out. So I I think that you know based on experience, the chapels you know not only that they might have other things in there that are not conducive to from people. Right. So usually, I, can, usually I definitely I definitely avoid the um, the right. chapels. Um, 
again, there is quiet places to go. But if it's okay with Rabbi Goldberg, I'll tell you tell you an amazing story that happened. Um, I was actually in the Dubai in in Frankfurt Airport on my way to Dubai. And I'm walking through the airport looking for some, and I can't find even an empty gate to daven at. And in a quarter of my eye, I see a from person. Wait, one second. Where's the, where's the lounge, Steve? You you have his. Okay, I, so I, I'll I'll get there. <laughs> Hold on. So I first tried to go to the lounge, and this is Germany, and they said, "Sorry, you can't leave your term the terminal you're in because of COVID." So I did I did try the lounge first. Okay. So all of a sudden, I see out the corner of my eye, I see a from person. And it's not the first time that's happened to me. Usually we're still seven or eight short. And then I see another. Then then I think maybe I just didn't sleep long enough. All of a sudden I see in Frankfurt Airport 30 from guys coming off a flight. And I just followed them. And the end result was we actually, in Frankfurt Airport, we had 40 people for Chakras Minion, which was hmm. pretty unbelievable. Okay. Um, what I wanted to say also about... Um, International flights, and this is very important for people to know, is that most international flights do not offer kosher meals at this time. Okay. Um, one of my family members is traveling um, next Wednesday, a week from today, from Eritisral. He's on Swiss Air through Zurich and then Zurich to um, Dulles, no meals. On Swiss Air and United. On the way back, United nonstop from Dulles, I'm sorry, from Newark, has a kosher meal. So if you are one of those adventurous people that does want to travel internationally, keep in mind about the PCR test, keep in mind about the um, quarantines, and also if you like to eat 12 or 14 hour flight, make sure you, make sure you bring food. That's a good idea anyway. Okay. Because That's a, never, also, yes, it's a good idea because your food, what? right? If they, okay. So just a little bit of advice. I always bring food because I can't tell you how many times they, even when they say they confirm the kosher meal, that they forgot it. Now, if they Steve, do forget, you, tell us how you get your food through the, uh, through yeah, the, I'm going to, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to okay. get to that. Um, but I do want to give everybody a little bit of advice. If you ordered a kosher meal and you did confirm it, and they didn't have it, you ask them for a, uh, an appreciation coupon or have them report it, and you will get a nice surprise in the mail. They will give you a credit somewhere, could be anywhere from 50 to to $100 off future airfare because they forgot your meal. Um, Halachically, I wanted to t uh, mention one thing about being on a plane, and um, and that is Phil Sadarach. I constantly have the question, of when is the proper time to say Tfil Sadarak. Now, this forthcoming Kashra's Currents has an unbelievable article by our travel postsaker of David Heber. So I'm not going to go into all the details. He, he, he wrote a very comprehensive article on Tfil Sadarak, and I recommend anybody that's traveling by horse and buggy, air, um, car or whatever to read this article. It basically covers everything. I just want to, because I'm constantly asked, when is the proper time? And what I'm going to do is just quote Reb David's words, which is, if you're traveling by air, the accepted minig is as follows. If the airport is in town, one should ideally re recite to Phil Sadarach on the runway shortly before takeoff. If one is concerned, he might forget 
he may say it after the plane begins to taxi on the runway or even upon boarding the plane. But the Evid, if you forgot, you may also say it after takeoff. What's interesting what Rav David adds is, if the airport is out of town, one may say it on the way to the airport after leaving the built up areas where there's no houses or, or offices or factories. This is true even if one would not recite Phil Sadarach when driving to the airport. Going to that airport does not constitute normally a trip in and of itself. That's it's, it's good advice. The reason that Rabbi Heber is saying that you can't, uh, you, that ideally you should not say it while you're in the air, if you if you you could say it before, it's only b'diavid. It's only second best. Is the question is whether being in the air is that called a derech? Is it is it called a derech? Uh, like when birds fly in the air, are they on the derech? Maybe derech is only on the ground. But uh, yeah, we did also get some. We had a question by uh, via before the webinar via email from Shmuel. He wanted to know um, how do you decide in the northeast of the U.S. How do you decide when the exact time to start saying Tefillah Sederach? When is it considered exiting the city limits? So we're not going to go into that all the all the detail. We could have a special uh, shear on that as well. And uh, but uh, again, uh, like like Steve said, I recommend you look at these Kashrus currents coming out in another a couple weeks. Um, okay, so that. Rabbi Goldberg's question to me is, how do I deal with food? So this would be, this is a great question. I get this question almost weekly from people. So there's two different kinds of food. There's the food you're going to bring on the plane in case you're not going to get a meal. And there's food if you're going to a place where there's not kosher food uh, readily available. Um, so here's what I do. Basically, 24 hours before the or more before the flight, I freeze or I buy vacuum packed food and I freeze it for 24 hours, okay? I then make sure to have two disposable ice packs and I pack this in an insulated bag, okay? Now, it's very important not to bring a gigantic insulated bag because if you do, the airline's gonna consider that your carry-on. So you may have issues of, make, they may go and have you check a bag. Now, what's very important to know, and most people don't know, and TSA probably doesn't want anybody to know this, but anything that's frozen can be brought through TSA, anything. So ice packs, as long as they're frozen, will go through TSA. If you're Machman on Chovius Roll and you're going to an area where you can't get Chovius Roll yogurt, you could, or even milk, you can actually freeze it and bring it through TSA. Now, what you can't bring through TSA are things which they consider paste. That would be that would be um, tuna fish salad, hummus, tahina, peanut butter, things like that. They're just going to take it and they're going to throw it away. Uh, or I don't want to I don't want to correct you on the, on a travel item, but peanut butter. I think there's a limit if you take. I've taken those small little containers of peanut butter through. Or maybe okay. one, one one. If I went with my family, we would split them up. They okay. Only have, they only have a couple ounces. The little right. jiff container. Okay. I'm talking about a three ounce jar. Yeah, no, they're gonna, they're gonna, a limit, they're gonna, right. they're gonna take they that away. Make one that's small enough to take through. Right, right. They're called single serves. The single serve you can you can take through. But what I'm saying is, is that there the, the what I like about yogurt is that's my breakfast the next morning, and it also keeps my food cold. Now, one of the other things I do, what it says check my volume. Am I too loud? No, 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 no. He no. Okay, fine. One of the one of the listeners. I can't 
I can't concentrate on all the no, text. No, one I'll, of the let you deal with the, I'll let you deal with the messages. One so of the one listeners of the, is, just one second, see, one of the listeners can't hear us. So someone else is trying to help her get okay. on. Okay, uh, all right, music. fine. Yeah, so, yeah. so again, one other bit of advice is, if you're going to take Steve Seichel's advice, know you're probably, you got a good, a good chance that they're going to pull your bag and look at it. So you got to make sure that you've invested extra time to know that your bag is most likely going to get checked. Okay. But again, it is permitted. I, I've done it many, many times to be able to bring frozen things through. Now, the other thing that I do, if you're traveling on an airplane, what I normally do is I take that insulated bag and I put it on top in the overhead because once the plane is in the air, it's one of the coldest areas on the plane. So if you're not checking that insulated bag, which I don't recommend, Rabbi Goldberg and I discussed that, and I said, well, that's great to check it. Then you won't have any of these issues. The problem you're going to have is if they lose your bag, you don't have food. Okay. But airlines lose bags? <laughs> they're actually they're actually getting better, but they do, they do still lose bags, which, which also... Which also I'd like to mention. Well, you told me that you you told me that the only things you don't put underneath are your food and your tefillin, right? That's right. I was just going to say that. So right. Rabbi right. Heber, again, has always said that if you're checking your bag, never ever ever uh, put your bag in in the check in the check bag. Always take your tefillin with you. Always right. to have it with you. Be a would not be a great thing for them to lose your tefillin. Okay. So I want to talk about hotels for a second, and oh, so, so see, let me let me interrupt you for a second because that's something ahead. I want to I want to show. I spent some effort to get it up here. So before you uh, you, you you start, I want to uh, show this little piece. Um, people, we have a problem with with uh, opening the doors nowadays. Uh, almost all the locks are electronic, and so how are you going to get in on uh, on Chavez? Um, so uh, they're behind them in holes that you can ask. Uh, the, the the staff, the non-Jewish staff, to open it for you, even though they're using a card and they're doing electronic. It's halachically it's known as a shvus to shvus, the malka mitzvah. Since you have to get into your room, you have to you, you have to go to sleep, you have to get your sitter, so you're allowed to do that. It recommended to arrange that with them in advance, so that they're not surprised and you know that they're going to help you. But there are other people that that basically just leave their door unlocked. Uh, they leave something blocking. The, the 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 door and they leave it unlocked. Now if we can't uh, recommend that because it is a safety issue, but uh, some people do it nonetheless. So for those people that are looking for ideas of how to how to leave their door somewhat unlocked, I have this little video that was being sent around. I want to show it. So let's see if I can if I can get it up here. Th this is an idea of how to sort of. Uh, lock your door, but yet leave it available for you to get in on, on Shabbos. So here goes. Uh, there's not, nothing happening from an electronic sense. So how do you avoid this problem? How do you get in on Shabbos without having to call the front desk and avoid any halacha shaylas? So here's the trick. Take a string from a shoelace. Get a shoelace. Make sure it's long enough to hit the floor and a little extra. Now, tie it on with a double knot on the handle. Tie it very tight. Now, what's going to happen is I can open the door like this, right? So, we're going to go outside. Come on out. Come on out. Now, we're going to we're going to look at the bottom where we're going to where we're going to put it. 
very inconspicuously, sticking out just a tiny drop. We can yank it. Close the door. You can hardly see it there. Look, right? Now, go all the way back. All the way back so you can see me open the door now. Lock. I don't have a key. It's Travis, right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to take the string. Come down. Watch me. Take the string. Yank it, yank it, yank it. And it's pulling the handle down. Watch this. See that? And we're in. Okay, so that's... <laughs> have you seen that idea, Steve? Yeah. Okay. So I usually, I usually use the other idea Rabbi Haber told me. It's a, just tell them ahead of time, Arab Shabbos. I once, I was once saying in um, Thailand, and the lowest floor was the 18th floor in the hotel. Ah, okay. So with, with this idea, it's not an official recommendation we could make because it, it is a security, you know, uh, it's a, every person has to take their own, uh, uh, use their own discretion. Uh, Marvin says he used it on a cruise and it worked. It worked perfectly. Um, I, I would I just I would just add two things to what the, the person was showing. Number one is that you have to make sure that you have to use a very strong string because I've done this and sometimes it will, it, it will rip if it's not uh, strong enough. And um, and also he only tied it around the end of the handle. I would recommend like starting more towards the door like the the edge of it so that you tie it you tie it around more of the handle so it won't it won't slip off the other the other idea that people do sometimes is they, they to leave the, the door open um they uh, tape up the, the the area where the lock goes into so that the lock can't lock they put something on the door jam like some tape uh some duct tape or something they put it there again well it can't be an official recommendation because because it's a security issue, but some people, I'm just telling you what some people do, the, the best thing to use for that, really, uh, even even more than duct tape, would be when you when you, uh, when you you have your luggage through the airport, they put a, or you put nowadays, you do it yourself, you put this tag on it, right, that shows what your name is and where it's going and it's barcoded and all that. Those are extremely strong and you rip them off of your luggage, you, you attach it to your, the door jam, and that will prevent the, the, the lock from locking, if you're comfortable with that. Um, okay, so Stanley is asking, what about systems that send a signal to the control room or security system every time the door is opened or closed? Uh, that's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Uh, if you know that that's the case, I mean, I don't think you have to assume that that's what's happening. That somehow you, you figure out that that's what's happening. Um, yeah, that would be an issue for you to get in and out. Okay, uh, okay. So go ahead, Steve. That was okay. my little. So, that was my, so, my little my little piece. I yeah. wanted to show. Okay. <laughs> okay By the way, ahead. just one other thing about hotels and Shabbos. And again, I'm just bringing this up. You have to be very careful. You're not staying in a hotel that has the light motion detectors in the in the in right. the hallways. Those are very very problematic. Okay, right. so we're just gonna. I'm gonna just talk about hotels a little, and then I'm gonna swing it back to my esteemed colleague to talk about some of the halakhas with the hotels. So right now, hotels are basically minimum makom, meaning that depending on what state you're in, if you're in a blue state or a red state or whatever color they are, all hotels have different policies right now. There are hotels that still require you from the minute you get to the door there to wear a mask. There are hotels that require social distancing and there's hotels that don't. So it's very important that you know ahead of time what what you're in for. And again, I have I've actually 
I've actually witnessed both. There's some actually have signs on the door. If you're vaccinated, you're welcome to come in without a mask. Not that they're going to check your vaccination card, but you know, it's important to, to know that. Also very important about hotels. And I got, I got stuck a week ago, Sunday night at, I was traveling to central California and Rabbi Goldberg, I know has traveled there also. It's not, there's not much in prepare foods in central California. You can get any vegetable and any nut or anything else you want. It's where it comes from, but there's not really a lot there as far as prepared foods. So I had four days of food. I checked into my hotel and it was a name brand hotel and I get to my room and there's no refrigerator. And I'm thinking like, I've always stayed with this change. Well, they say, I call up the front desk and they COVID, say, oh, sorry. COVID, <laughs> COVID, everything's COVID. COVID. Always blank. Right. We don't have refrigerators because of COVID. I said, well, do you have any? Well, we're sold out. So, you know, it was a big problem because I had four days worth of food that was going to spoil. But, you know, we did work something out. But what I'm saying is it's very important when, you, when you're going to go to a hotel, not to rely on their website for what their services are. If you're a person that likes to get up in the morning and go into their pool before other people go there, you got to make sure the pool's open. You like to go to the fitness center, you got to make sure the fitness center is open. Um, but when it comes to food, you got to, if you're depending on a microwave, if you're depending on a coffee maker in the room, if you're depending on a refrigerator in the room, you either have to um, make sure that it's standard equipment, as we used to say, or that they'll put it in your room for you. Um, the other thing is if you're not flying, and um, um, Rami Goldberg is going to discuss this also is that a good piece of advice is you could bring a crock pot if you're driving and um, you can make soups and you can make stews and so on and so forth. So I wanna just turn over to Rabbi Goldberg about our policies about microwave, coffee makers and crock pots. Okay. Uh, yeah, we could we can talk about that. Um, so there's a, Michael is saying that he called the Star K from Romania Shortly before sunset, I guess on the Friday, right? There was bluing in the bowl, and the light switch, the light right outside the door had a motion switch. Okay, these are these are problems. When you come in, the first thing you do when you go into your hotel room, if you're staying, can be staying there for Shabbos, or even beforehand, if you can check it out before that, before you book, is to make sure you're not going to have any of the any of the issues and try to find a way. You have to try to find a way around it. Uh, like some of the some of the rooms have when you open the the closet, right? I'm sure. Steve, you know that the light goes on or you go into the bathroom, there's a vanity light that goes on because of the motion detector. But what 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 uh, what I found is that there's a lot of times these detectors are plugged in. And if you find the plug like under the vanity or in the closet, like high up and you unplug it, then you solve you solve that that issue. Of course, you have to remember after Shabbos to plug it back in so that uh, the next person coming in doesn't call to complain that his lights don't work. Um, uh so refrigerators you refrigerators are very simple they just have to be clean they just have to be clean and as long as they're clean which in my experience they usually are clean then it's no problem to keep kosher food in there if you're going to be away from your room you have to make sure that the food has a proper seal on it a lot of people don't think about that that it's properly sealed when you leave you're leaving some meat chicken especially fish Cheese, things like that. You you make sure that it's it's going to be uh, sealed from because people will be coming into your room or may the staff might come into your room 
uh, while you're away. So you want to make sure that it's it's, it's sealed. Although nowadays they're not coming in so much because they're only cleaning once every you know uh, month. So because <laughs> COVID, <laughs> so they're not cleaning so much. Um, Josh says. Josh says, Chabad houses around the globe are a great resource for choosing a hotel. Usually the local shalich knows exactly which hotels are closest to the shuls or Shabbos friendly. Absolutely. I've definitely uh, taken advantage of their services. Yosef says, some of the new refrigerators only turn on when the door is closed. You mean they turn off when you open it and you, they, the motor goes back on when it's closed. I don't know if that's true about the little refrigerators that they give you in the... Steve, what do you think? You've been... The, the, the little refrigerators are they that sophisticated they okay. go on I, I just want to make I want to make two comments one is the fact yeah. that usually about right now majority of hotels do not clean your room for three days right you what's happening right now is is that um, you put your trash can outside and you put your dirty uh, uh, towels outside and they'll change right. it you really um, very, very hard to get a hotel to change it. Most of the hotels that I have stayed in um, that have many refrigerators do not have a light on them, and they're just they're just small little refrigerators. The ones that do, not, not the light. He's saying that they go on when you close it, but I don't know if that. I don't think I don't I don't, I don't believe so. that's the case. Yeah, they're, too, they're unsophisticated. Right. By the way, if they bring a hotel, if they bring a refrigerator to your room, make sure you have them plug in and make sure it works. I had a disaster once where they brought me a refrigerator. They plugged it in. I didn't check it. It didn't work, and my food all spoiled. Wow. Okay, Zalman is asking, how well does the food need to be sealed when left in the room? Uh, well, we, 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 we don't want to go into all the, the issues of sealing. We have some articles on, uh, on our website uh, about sealing food. But, you know, if, if, <laughs> if there's not really a concern that they'll come in, like we're just mentioning, that the staff doesn't really come in unless you're there for a couple of days, I'm not, I have to, we have to think about it some more because I'm not really sure you need to worry that someone's going to come in. They're not supposed to come in and they're not looking to come in. So why do I need to worry that someone's going to barge in on, on, on my room? Um, it's true. If, they, if, they're only, if they're only cleaning every, every couple of days and you're not going to be there long enough, then I'm not really sure you need to seal it. It's only if they're going to be there and they're going to come in, then you would need to seal it uh, in, in a proper, in a proper uh, fashion. Um, Josh says, user do not disturb card. Okay, yeah, that will keep them uh, from coming in as well. Um, They're not motivated to clean your room. So <laughs> right. there's a very good chance that if you, you right. that's a great idea about the do not disturb. But in general, know that when you check in or it's even sometimes on their website, they tell you they're not going to clean for three days. It's very improbable that anybody's going right. to come in your room because in, in that they're case, not I looking to clean. Right. In that case, I don't think you have to, you have to seal up your food in that case. Um, we, we had, uh, you mentioned about the coffee maker and we got questions about that. Um, in the olden days when they had more carafes with a little glass that is, um, uh, Steve, I'm hearing an echo. Steve? Yeah. I hear a little bit of an echo. I'm not sure what that's from. Can you move your, move your microphone more towards you away from the, uh, from the speakers? Yeah, let's is that try better? That. Let's, yeah, I think so. So, uh, so uh, if, if, the, if the coffee dripped into a carafe, behind him was afraid that the, uh, that the people who go there might be using it to make soup or something that heat up soup in it. And therefore, he suggested not to, not to use the carafe. But nowadays, most of the time, they're giving you one-time use, 
like a, a, a Keurig type, you know, a little uh, coffee maker. And if the coffee is that you're getting is uh, kosher, which it usually would be, uh, you can use you can use it to make uh, coffee. So that's not it's not a problem anymore. We're not we're not worried that people you they're not conducive anymore to to filling them up with uh, with some soup. Um, and uh, let me see. Is there anything else about hotels? Does anybody have is, is microwave? Microwave. Oh, the microwave. The microwave. I mean, basically, you should clean it if it's not clean, and then double wrap your food in there, like any any non-kosher uh, microwave. Are there any ho are there hotels anymore that don't have hallway motion detectors abroad, Steve? Michael's asking you. Do you I know? I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't go abroad that often, but a lot of them. Uh, a lot of them internationally do. In America, they don't usually. But again, mm -hmm. I go out of my way not to be in a hotel for Shabbos. So I, it's mm -hmm. hard for me to answer that question. Then there's also issues with the breakfast, the continental breakfast, which I think are still being offered some places, right? Right. Uh, so uh, it, uh, it depends. Mm -hmm. A lot of hotels have what they call now grab and go. And you, mm -hmm. can, get, you can get cold cereals. You can get containers of milk, um, fruit. And so on, but it again, it depends on the hotel. Some of them still have nothing. Well, question that we've gotten is about using the um, people want to use the uh, waffle mix, the, the waffles that they make, or the pancakes that they make. They check, they know obviously you have to check to make sure that the the the, the uh, source is a kosher source. But we still don't recommend it because we don't know what those utensils have been making prior to your arrival. So we can't recommend that that uh, even if you see that the box. Is uh, is showing it's a kosher. It's a kosher. Uh, it's a kosher source. Um, I just want to mention that uh, that uh, if you have any questions that aren't covered here or any questions about kosher or really about anything, you can call us at 410-484-4110. We're talking with Steve Seichel. It's a very really interesting conversation. I hope that you're enjoying it. I am. And uh, if you have any, if you want to email us, you can email us at info at star-k.org, info at star-k.org. Um, if anybody wants to, I've been offering this, Steve, uh, in the past couple of webinars to, if somebody wants to uh, actually, we can actually bring you up on the screen. You're going to have a live questioner. And if anybody wants to do that, just let us know in the chat. And we'll, if you have a camera, which everybody has a camera, right? And everybody has a microphone now, nowadays. So we will be willing, we'll be happy to have uh, some uh, some live questions. There, we got, I, like, yeah. I got two other quick things to discuss Go before ahead. time's up. Okay, next one Go is ahead. rental cars. Rental cars are at a severe shortage right now. And it's caused by two things. Of course, one of them being COVID, um, the other one being chip shortages. So basically what happened when the, when the, uh, when the world shut down, the rental car companies went and um, sold off all their cars because they depreciate them and they're having no use for them. Nobody was renting cars. So when they went to replace the cars, mm -hmm. they can't get cars quick enough to replace the cars that they need. I heard this directly from the rental car companies. So basically right now, rental car companies, it's either very hard to get a car or the cars are very, very expensive. So just to give you an example, yesterday I had a one-day trip to Pennsylvania, and I didn't want to use my car because my car is very old. It only has a very short life to it now. And um, so what I did was I went to, we have here a, um, a few places where you can pick up cars without having to go to the airport. There was no car available within about 10 miles. 
where I could pick up and get for the day. I had somebody in my shul just this week told me that he rented a car. It's costing him a hundred dollars a day. I I met people when I was in California last week, they had a one-way rental. They were paying $200 a day. So wow. my advice is, is that if you're going away in August, rent the car today because cars are like six to eight weeks in some cases. And it's very, you, your vacation or whoever you're visiting, if they're not, if you're depending on a rental car and you can't get one, it's going to be very expensive to be taking the ride apps all over. Every, and of course, you have to wear a mask in the ride app. Um, it's very important because the thing is different than an airplane. When you normally, when you rent a car, you put your credit card information in, but you don't get charged for the rental car. So it's better to rent it ahead of time. So, so that you, um, so that you have it. Officials, um, see officials asking, are you finding it necessary to be less visibly Jewish? Like taking off your yarmulke? Wearing yeah. Your you know what? I wasn't going to, you and I discussed that. I wasn't going to discuss that, but, um, I don't know. Friend, I don't know. Friend, I, since it's my good friend, Fischl, always <laughs> cuts through my backyard every Friday night. I don't I, know. I don't know. I'm going to, I'll address that, but give me one second. I first want to talk about okay. davening and I could actually tie it into that. So there are two other very helpful app, um, apps that I use. One is godaven.com. And the other one is kosher GPS. The difference between godaven.com and kosher GPS is kosher GPS also has not only shuls, it has restaurants and mikvahs. So those are that, that need to go to the mikvah or go to the mikvah every Friday or whatever it is. But one very important thing I want to tell you about both these, both these websites is that the shuls don't always send in up-to-date information, especially with COVID. And the reason what I do is I use godaven.com literally almost daily. But what I do is I go on, on godaven.com. When you click on a particular shul, it will show you if they have a website to go to their website. I will then either download the shul's weekly bulletin, look for their schedule. And if I can't find any of that, I'll contact the shul. And the reason why you want to do that is a few reasons. Number one, you have to find out if you're welcome. In my year of travel during COVID, I have not, I have had a few cities where I was not welcome to be able to daven with the minion. They were just, it was a low plug. They were having no outside visitors. Hmm. The other thing is you need to know, do you need to register? Do you need to wear a mask? There are shuls now that are still requiring people to wear a mask when you go to the shul. So it's very important that you reach out. In fact, Two weeks ago, I was in Virginia and I needed to, um, it was either Virginia or somewhere else. I don't always remember every place I've been, but I was at a, oh, I'm sorry, I was in Berkeley, California, right near Rabbi Goldberg's old shul, not far from San Jose. I was in Berkeley, California, and I had to register ahead of time to go to the Minion, and I had to send a copy of my vaccination uh, form that I was vaccinated. So it's very important that when you are you're going to go to a shul and, you know, again, I'm not here to muster people, but, you know, even when we're on vacation, I think we're still uh, obligated. I think we still have a chiv to daven with a minion. Um, I, it's important that if you're going to play, I usually plan my trips around being near a shul. 
so that at least I know I can at least have it once a day, at least in the morning, if, it, if it's possible. So again, it's important because I've been to small towns where they had the shul where it said there was minion and I show up, I'm one of two people and they don't even have a minion. Yeah, well, you know, do you have a chiv? I No, I don't have a chiv. Sorry, we can't get you a minion today. So very important. Um, okay, so I want to um, answer Rafishel's question. So it's very interesting. Um, my colleague, Rabbi uh, Shalom Tenler and I, we travel sometimes together and we both travel a lot. And we were walking through BWI Airport and a guy was wearing a baseball cap and a white shirt and sits us out and black pants. So, <laughs> so the answer to your question, Fischl, is it really, really depends on, you know, how camouflaged you are. I personally try, Steve Seichel, to wear a baseball cap when I'm on a plane only because of all the situations that have happened in the past few months with people when they say, you know, from Jews aren't wearing masks and they're not doing this, they're not doing that. So, you know, it, again, it depends on how, you know, <laughs> how, how you look, you know, again, just replacing the baseball cap, putting a baseball cap on instead of a yarmulke, you're still going to look like a from Jew. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, I do want to get, this is, this is a question we also got and I like, the people who send them in before the uh, webinar like to try to get to those questions also. Um, what does one have to be careful about if going to Israel for Sukkot next year because of Shemitah? So here's somebody, this is from uh, Sharon. She she thinks ahead, right? She wants to know whether she's traveling to Eretz Yisrael and how she's going to deal with, uh, with Shemitah. That really, really needs its own uh, discussion, its own uh, webinar. But I, I will say that in in israel during shemitah it's really not that hard it can be hard it, you can have a more, a more difficult time here in the united states because when you're in Eretz Yisrael, you're 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 only going to be eating at places that you are that are approved you know and at whatever standard you have and uh so it's 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 not a problem you can avoid any of the shemitah produce if you want um, which I probably would recommend because you don't—it's not something that we do commonly. While, 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 if you're here in the United States, you could be buying peppers or tomatoes or oranges or things from Eretz Yisrael without even realizing it, and then uh, then you get you, you have a problem. So it's it's not really actually that difficult uh, if you want to avoid the issues and buy in uh, in, in the approved stores. Um, Josh says that he does eat the fruit that is uh, that has the kedusha of shvius on it. Okay, so then he, he, I'm sure he's familiar with all the halachas of it. And, but for a, a tourist there, it, uh, it's easy to avoid. And it's, uh, you know, if you're not really sure what you're doing, it's probably best. So that will, but we really, we, we probably will have some webinars about it. So look, look for those. Okay, Steve, anything else that you want to, you want to cover? Any questions, any more questions from our uh, listening audience? We're, we're happy to take them. But meanwhile, Steve, do you have anything else or you're? No, I, 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 that's it. You've, I've, that's uh, it. I've uh, pretty much, um, and I, I wish everybody that they have safe, kosher travel. Okay. Well, excellent. So, um, all right. Well, we promised about 40 minutes to an hour, and that's basically what we do. Let me just look through my notes, see if I have anything else that I wanted to mention. Um, we, we do have um, uh, articles about many of the things that we talked about, about uh, airline travel and about hotels 
And uh, Rabbi Heber has a number of travel articles about international dateline. I, I don't think anybody's going over the dateline uh, so soon. Um, where exactly would they be going? Uh, but uh, we do have articles about all, many of these topics. And uh, oh, there's one more thing I wanted to mention about cruises. So we have an article about cruises. So that's one of my uh, pet uh, topics. I'm always interested in what's happening with, with kosher cruises. Is, in, from Eretz Yisrael is going to be one of the first places to have cruises that they don't normally have cruises from Haifa. And um, I think it's Royal Caribbean, if I'm not mistaken, is arranging uh, cruises from Haifa around Sukkot time. And, uh, and I was looking at some of the schedules because there are issues with, with, with going on a cruise uh, within three days of Shabbos or of Yontiv or, or traveling throughout Yontiv or Shabbos. And uh, I was curious. I, I, I guess these cruises will have a hechsher. I assume so. I mean, they got to appeal to the majority you know, of people who want a hechsher in Israel. So... Uh, so I assume they will have a hechsher, and I was wondering what that that certification will do with these questions. So I actually went on the World Caribbean website, and they have a section there for emailing these questions, and I emailed them, but I didn't get any response. So I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it's something that they need to think about, because when you're traveling on a cruise in America, most of the people on the boat will be non-Jewish. You're just going to have a couple hundred out of a couple thousand. So going on Shabbos is, is not really a problem uh, to travel the fact that the boat is traveling on, on, on Shabbos. But in Israel, you're going to have mostly or almost totally uh, Jews. So how do they get around that problem? I, I, I don't know. Uh, MK wants to know about train travel, Steve. What do you know about train travel? I, I haven't been on that many trains. I mean, I would think it's best to contact Amtrak and ask them if you're required to wear a mask or not, it's a good it's a good uh, question. I wonder if any are there any halacha shilas we have about trains, you know? Uh, that would be interesting. Don't, we don't we, travel on a train on Friday afternoon. Yeah, we need we need to write an article about train travel in halacha. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some of the prices I've been looking at some of the Amtrak. I do I do take Amtrak sometimes, and some of the pricing is extremely uh, cheap. Just um, I saw in the summer, like in uh, in in, in end of July, it's like twenty five dollars from here to uh, to New York, which is which is very extremely cheap. But it's becoming more full. More people and more people are going trains, planes, everything. Amtrak. It's very interesting to note that Amtrak is similar to the airlines when it comes to pricing. Um, if you book you book like um, like here to Connecticut, it's thirty six dollars if you do it. Ahead of time, if you do it that day, it could be a hundred and fifty to hundred and eighty. Right, the right, same flight. Right, exactly. Right. So oh, somebody okay. just posted, you do have to wear a mask on a on a train. Yeah, Nancy says the trains are very. Thank full you, required, Nancy. Required to wear a mask. Okay. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, we should be hopefully we'll be able to get the webinar. Uh, we, we are recording it like usual and posted on our website star-k.org. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll be able to join us next month, Emir Hashem. And uh, again, if you have any questions that we didn't answer, or in general, info at star-k.org, 410-484-4110. The front desk is waiting. <laughs> very, our very busy front desk. They seem to, it's like, 
it's like Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Tzvi, the Torah says, right? Eretz Yisrael gets, the more people go, the more there's space for everybody. So the more people ask questions to the front desk, somehow they're able to, the very capable front desk uh, is able to deal with, with the, all the questions. Um, so thanks very much for, for, for your attention, for listening. Thank you, Steve. That was very good. Thank you for the work you put into it. I know you uh, spent a lot of time on it and uh, appreciate, your, your, uh, appreciate your thoughts. My pleasure. All right. Take care, everyone. Be well. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.